Hey everybody, Crystal Horn here, your mining coach, and we come and introduce the very first podcast of The Mining Coach, and it's a pleasure to have you with us today. You have probably been looking for the right sort of podcast in the mining industry that can help you develop, grow your career, just being the best that you can possibly be. And that's exactly why I started this podcast. This is the very first of the podcasts. And the reason why I started this is to help a younger version of myself. I have been in the industry for 25 plus years and I've worked my way up through all the different job categories, started without any qualification at the mine at 19 years old. And I'll tell a little bit more about that later on. But Really, it was a journey of discovery and a lot of mistakes along the way, which I'm sure you've also been making over the, over the years. But I think there's a big need, not I think, I know that there's a big need for professionals like you. And when I say professionals, I don't mean that you necessarily have a you know, formal qualification or a degree or diploma. I'm talking about any person that's passionate about their their job that wants to be the best they can be in their job and really want to do well and invest in themselves for personal growth. This podcast is why we, we've, we've started it. This is why I've, I thought that there's a big need for that. And we are going to try and add maximum value through this, this series. And the plan is to have a weekly podcast so the plan is to have many guests on the show so that we can add value to you. And they will share with us their experiences, their mistakes, their stories, their successes, so that all of us can learn from that and get better and be the best selves that we can be. If you grow and if you do well in your career, then the company does well at the same time. The environment changes. So there's a saying that goes that you can't really change people. You can only change yourself. You can always influence them, but you can only change yourself. And as we start changing and becoming a better version of ourselves, the environment around us also changes. And that's been my experience. So this very first podcast will be me sharing my life story with you, being very vulnerable in the process and just explaining to you where I've come from and how, how did my career progress and what was the learnings along the way. And hopefully there's some synergies. And I've said I don't, I don't need a million followers or a million likes for this podcast for me to be successful. I've had one or two or three, and over the years, many people that, said one thing that had a profound impact on my life. And that one little thing changed my way of thinking, changed my paradigm, and added a massive amount of value to, to shape my career and just progress to the next level. So I'm sure that's why you're listening. And I'm sure that's why you're now on a treadmill and you are either running outside or running indoors or 
you are on a bike or you're just having fun somewhere in the outdoors, just taking your dog for a walk, but you're listening to a podcast because you are investing in yourself. And that's, that's really why we're doing this. So we would like to be your partner every week for 20 to 40 minutes and share with you sort of the tips and experiences and the lessons learned so that you don't have to make those same mistakes again and that you can be the best version of yourself. During this podcast, you're just going to listen to me <laughs> and and I'm sure that some of you will, will find it useful and some of you may move on to other podcasts and that's all okay. That's, that's, that, that's all good. As long as we can make a difference in your life, uh, that's the, the, main, the main purpose, adding value to you. So we're going to take a short break. I'm going to get set up so that I can sort of start telling you the first chapter of, of my mining career and how it all started out. And then we're going we're gonna to wrap it up and we will talk about the planning. We'll talk about where this podcast is planned to go, why there's a few more reasons why it's there. And we want to share that with you towards the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening so far. Welcome back, everybody. So we dig into the second part of this podcast. Yes, we are miners. We dig and we extract metal. And today we're going to extract some some of my career. And so the early part of my career up to shift pass level is what we're going to talk about now. So I'm not sure how exactly how many episodes my mining career will take in terms of this podcast, but that doesn't really matter because a lot of detail will be shared. And that's not for any other purpose than sharing with you my life story and also the lessons that I've learned along the way. And it's important to share that level of detail because I think a lot of us go through life without sharing these experiences and without you know, sharing it with friends and family and colleagues. And we sometimes make decisions, life-changing decisions based on emotions or based on something, a crisis that has happened in our career or the early part of our career, or even as young as being at school still. And the reason why I'm sharing a lot of my personal detail, which I've told you before, it's quite vulnerable <laughs> and I am very vulnerable in sharing a lot of this detail is so that we can associate with you in a way that you feel that this is an important portion for you and it may be the exact point where you are in your career at this very point in time. So I'll start with why mining and how did I get into mining as a start and in sharing some of my early part of my career, I think there are a number of things that stand out for me. Number one is we don't have it all figured out when we start our careers. And we don't, in a lot of cases, land up 
being miners or being in the mining industry as a chosen career, but a lot of us is sort of a necessity and I need to get a job. And it was that sort of start for me as well. And then what I'm also going to cover is the fact that we have to believe in ourselves and how do we build that self-confidence and also the valuable lessons that life gives you where failure is not failure, but failure is seen as a way to be successful. Failure is actually the means to become successful. And I had a lot of early failures in my life and it shaped a lot of who I am today as a mining career, which didn't start out, or a mining engineer, which didn't start out as at all planning to become a mining engineer. And then another important lesson in this early part of my career that I've learned was working harder than most of the other people around me and building that energy and passion that other people could see it, that I could feel it, and that I knew that I was, I was a cut above the rest. And then from these two other important lessons in my early part of my career that maybe I've helped to you is the importance of mentorship and career coaches. And that was a key turning point in terms of me going back to university at the age of 27. And then finally, finding my own voice as a shift boss or shift supervisor and not being a poser or putting a mask on and being somebody else and not being myself. So that's what I will cover in this section. And I hope you really enjoy this. And so if you are still pushing those weights and you're still on this run, really enjoy this. I hope it's not too exhausting. And if you're just chilling out and just sitting on the couch and just having you know, a relaxing day, that's also good. Thank you for making the time to listen to this early part of my career. So let's Let's start off at school. Why why mining? In the early parts of in my secondary school years, there was a big drive in South Africa at that time, and I think even today there's a big demand for engineers. And the engineering field was very sought after when I was in secondary school, high school, we call it in South Africa. And a lot of my friends applied for a bursary to do engineering. And there was a lot of bursaries going around at that time. And I also, I loved science fiction. I still do today. <laughs> I love these movies and these shows. I can do a lot of Netflix on this. And with science fiction and engineering, and I always loved science and at one stage, as a younger person, I wanted to become an astronomer. My dad always used to laugh at my dreams and believing that there's, you know, all sorts of aliens out there. But in any event, so what appealed to me was electronic engineering. And I sort of had this dream that I'll be building bionic arms and bionic legs and, you know, artificial intelligence with limbs that are attached to one's body. And that sort of was the reason I applied to do electronic engineering. And I went through a couple of interviews and I was, I was fortunate enough to actually get a, a bursary to go and do electronic engineering. Now, I come from a background where my dad 
was just an electrician uh, and he did work for a portion of his career at the mines and we were living in a small mining town and as an electrician he could hardly afford my mom had a at a job at uh, the local municipality or the local government and so we were not really well off in terms of finances for my parents to actually afford me to go to university so it was it was really grinding in early parts of my schooling career that I knew that I had to get good marks at school to be able to be eligible and make the cut to be considered for a bursary. And so I think from an early childhood stage, I was always committed to working hard and studying hard. I wasn't the smartest school in, 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 in my group of, of every year that I went through school, but I'd certainly worked hard and, I was willing to put in the hours to at least get decent marks that I could be, I could make the cut for a bursary. And I got the bursary and I got the bursary to go and do electronic engineering. However, my foundation of maths and the school I came from, and maybe just the lack of really understanding the basics of maths, I was a miserable failure in my first year. I, I failed nearly every subject. I think in some of the subjects in your first year, first semester, you could write, uh, rewrite the exam if you had like 35% in, in the exam, which you failed. And I just made the threshold in for most of those subjects. <laughs> and I, I rewrote most of them, failed most of them. And there was a lot of pride with me. And because of the various leadership roles I had at school and being at university with some of my friends that were at school with me, I think the the pride in me and the person who I was at that stage, I couldn't face the facts that, or the fact that I was going to fail. And I, just before the first year finished, just before the final exams, I actually phoned my parents and I told them that I'm I'm giving up my studies and I'm I'm going to become a missionary of all things. But that sort of the real truth behind all of that was um, not because I wanted to become a missionary because I love people, but because I couldn't face the fact that I was actually a failure. And my dad said to me, look, son, I couldn't afford to send you to university, so I signed a contract with your bursary company that if you give up your studies, I'll have to pay back the money. I don't have the money. I'll take a personal loan but you need to find a job so that you can pay me for me to pay that personal loan back. And that sort of, that was a rude awakening for me, knowing that now I need to pay back the money and I need to find a job. And because we came from a small mining town, I, and we had, and we had relationships there, I could apply for a mining job and I got a, a job as a learner official. Now a learner official was like, okay, you go through, all the departments in mining operations uh, through a program of two to three years and you go through all the, it's like a practical uh, program that you eventually get a blasting certificate and after th about three years you, you become a shift boss or shift supervisor. So that was really how I got into mining and I remember the very first day that I went underground with a shift boss to get to understand what this underground mining environment is about. And this massively overweight person, we 
came underground and we arrived on the level that it was a deep underground gold mine. And this shift boss, I was looking at him huffing and puffing through this little door in this little underground locomotive train car. And I thought to myself, what am I getting myself into? This guy is doing this every day of his life. He has to go underground every day of his life. And I'm actually on a practical program to become exactly what he's doing every day of his life. And it was a big shock to my system to realize this is what I'm getting myself into. At the end of the day, I accepted that fact that I have to pay back the bursary and I have to stick it through and I have to show the commitment to my to my parents and get this done. But I hated going underground. I liked the physical part of things. I was always I always loved sport and being active. I am still today. And I think the physicality of the underground tough mining industry appealed to me a lot and I actually fared quite well with a adapting quite quickly in a very tough underground environment where there was a lot of walking involved, a lot of physical work, and going through the departments where you have to do physical work in hot underground environments, that sort of was good for me and I, I enjoyed doing that. But doing mining was really not how I saw my career and my life playing out. And after after the three-year program, I graduated from the program, or not really graduated, but you got your qualification to, to become a shift boss. I actually met my wife just straight after school. That was my girlfriend at the time. And we got married at, you know, after she finished her studies, four-year studies, and I was a shift boss and, and you know, she was working on, on her end of her career. And I remember after about two years as a shift boss, I said to her, look, I can no longer carry on doing this. I, I have to find doing, I have to go and do something else. And I was willing to do anything to get out of mining to a point where my uncle had a farm where he, you know, one of the products that they grew on the farm was potatoes and and I was willing to buy a truckload of potatoes and sell that off the corner of the street just to make money because I knew it was I knew at what price he was he was doing it, and I saw a margin there, and I, I sort of ran the numbers, and I realized, look, I can I can make money as a trader, and not the same money as a shift boss, but I can certainly make a living, and I just wanted to get out of mining. But there was a there was a bigger purpose in my life and I, I really enjoyed working with the people side of it as well. And during this period of being a shift boss, I, you know, you, you get, you see a lot of characters out there and you see different people dealing with the, the people side of the business differently. And I remember as a young shift boss, the, the one shift boss, he had a very, extreme way of dealing with people if i can you know sugarcoat that a bit <laughs> he would scream at people and yet showed very little respect uh, to people and he had very good results and then the other one was like he, he was always negotiating and paying people you know physical cash to get stuff done and he was always willing and dealing to get results, but he had good results. And then this 
there's other chef boss I, I I watched him and he was you know he was just very calm, collected, and very professional. He was a graduate that was in his learning phases of becoming a manager one day. So I was looking at him and he was sort of the best out of the lot. And I guess for each one of those or a couple of those months, I would try and imitate what the others were doing and sort of follow their methods of dealing with the people side of things. Just to realize after a while that just being myself and just being authentically me was actually the best results that I got from people. And I started just being myself and just finding my own voice and finding myself in solving the people problems because as a supervisor, you are in charge of people and you have to be practically good at what they are doing and you've gone through the school of, of, of what they have done. And, but leading that by example and just being myself and finding my voice, I realized that on the people side of, of, of mining, I enjoyed it. And when I said to my wife, look, I'm, I'm going to quit mining, I cannot see myself doing this for my whole career. We, I'm a person of faith, and it doesn't really matter whether you are a person of faith or not. That's not why I'm, I'm saying that. But we prayed about it, and we said, look, maybe we should, maybe we should, give this a try and see if I cannot get into a program where, where the mine can sponsor me to go and do my mining engineering degree and, and, and actually go back to school. And as the universe or as God would like and enabled me, I coincidentally spoke to a guy in the, shift, in, in the change house one morning and he told me about another company that, actually do send you with a small salary to go and study. The company I was working for at that time refused to do that. I did approach them. Uh, they, they didn't want to support me. So I took a leap, leap of faith and I applied for a job at this other mining company. And at the interview, I actually said, I'm coming here to, to come and study and further my career in mining and that's why I'm joining you. And they gave me the job. But they said to me, look, you have to prove yourself. You can't just join us and then go off studying. So they gave me a job as a vamping shift boss. And that was, you know, to, to those of you that are not familiar with, with that sort of underground mining, it's where you go into all the old areas where the last little bit of gold mining is left and you literally scratch and scrape the last little bit of fine dust and and rocks, get it out of those old stopes and, and places. And the crews are very far from each other, six or five crews that you look after and you, you walk long distances, you travel a long way in all hot places and you have to do this daily. And I did this job as good as I could. I wanted to be one of the best. I wanted to be reliable. I wanted to stand out from the rest and be, you know, be with lots of integrity, do this job. And it was really physically taxing. And because I enjoyed the physical part of it, it was it was a challenge to me to just do do it really well. And after about six months, I got the opportunity to actually go and join a real production section, which which I felt was like this is like back to being a production chef boss. And in that time as well, I then 
I then applied and actually jumped the head of the mine overseer or the mining superintendent's head. Even the section manager said, and I went straight to the, the assistant general manager to speak to him, make an appointment. And then I said to him, look, I've, I've been here a year now. I joined this company because I wanted to further my career in mining and I'm getting stuck and nobody's, nobody's helping out here. I've been knocking on doors and I'm not getting any answers and I really want to go and study. Would you please help me? And I guess the lessons in all of this that I'm sharing with you is just the persistence in, in if you believe in something and, you know, sort of the doors start opening, uh, you need to push through and you need to believe enough in yourself to actually actually do this. So a long story short, they then told me I need to go for a battery of tests and if I pass the test, they will send me to go and study. And I went through a battery of tests and the test results came out to say that I don't have a good mathematical ability so they, they'll put me on a diploma program, not on the, uh, you know, the degree pro program for mining engineers. And I accepted it. I said, that's good. That's fine. That's, that's a good start. At least through the diploma program, I'll get a, be a certificated mining manager and I'll be able to get to a manager level one day. And that was good enough for me. And what I didn't share with you, my university failure was... And the confidence I lost at the first attempt at university was I thought as an engineer, I just don't have what it takes. There's a mathematical ability or thinking capability. This, this breed of people are just different and I don't have what it takes. I'll never be able to, do, to be an engineer. And through the maturing part of, of my life after that first failure at university and then starting my mining career working my way into becoming a chef boss doing that job for you know for three years and then eventually getting an opportunity to go and and study i just grabbed it with both hands and i made the most of it now from a family point of view it was really challenging so when i say from a family point of view it was extremely challenging <laughs> i firstly have to just give acknowledgement to just an amazing wife that I had through you know, for all the years, even now. She was the one that every time I felt I couldn't do it, she would believe in me and she would speak life into me and say, I know you can do it. You've got what it takes. And she always supported me like 300%. If it wasn't for all of that support, I don't think I would have gone back to university the second time around. And yes, family is challenging and it is challenging balancing all of that. But I was extremely privileged in having the wife and the partner I had. Okay, so let's just get back on... <laughs> Uh, some energy back in this so yeah it was an exciting time as well because my daughter was born in the diploma studies in, uh, and wonderful privilege to just go through all of that and her first steps and while I was studying so yes it was challenging but it was super super rewarding just to have this family 
that was supporting me throughout the process. And so I had to travel on a Monday morning very early uh, to get to the, the, the institution so that I can, you know, attend classes for the week. And then I'll travel back on a Friday afternoon and be home for the weekend. And that's just the way it was because we didn't have the money for me to travel back and forth. And I was staying in a residence as a married man, but with, with my wife and my daughter uh, back home. But during that phase, I was super committed to really work hard. And I spend, you know, all the evenings in the week just covering off all my study work. So if I would leave on a Friday afternoon to go back home on the weekend, even if I was writing a test on the Monday, I would have pre finished preparing for that on the Thursday evening. doesn't matter what time it finished. So I was super disciplined in in just preparing well for my studies and, and just doing everything. And we had a fantastic two lecturers there that gave me my, my mathematical building blocks that I missed in my career that gave it back to me. And I picked up on maths, eventually got a distinction in maths and was blessed to finish top of my class after first year. I guess for me, the lesson, the early lesson in life there was the balance between work and life and I was super committed to look after my family over a weekend and be dedicated to them while in the week I was just absolutely focused on my studies and that's that sort of recipe early in my career started becoming a habit that even today it's it's a very important aspect of the balance for me between family and career. I think if you don't have that good balance, something goes out of kilter and you end up worse off in any event. So you have to balance those two really well. And those are topics that we'll cover in future podcasts, which I've, I've planned and prepared for. So getting back to uh, this period in my life where I was, I was now given an opportunity to study, I then finished my first year, then went on to second year, and in my second year, I was again top of the class and the company that I worked for, they approached me again and said, we would like you to go back to university and get your degree, mining engineering degree, because you're doing so well, we're offering you this opportunity. And first of all, I immediately said no, because I was two years away from getting my diploma, my high diploma, um, and being able to to register to become a mine, mining manager in the South African context of legislation. And this was my very first experience with mentorship. We, we had a fantastic lecturer, and the one day in our second year, he would pull me out of class and he called me to his office to speak to someone that has followed the exact thing that the companies offered me. And he made the effort of forcing me to speak to this individual, this professional that has gone through the same process. And in that session, they convinced me to actually accept the offer and go back for another four years and finish and start and finish a mining engineering degree, which I did. I, I ended up doing that. And when I went back the second time, to university starting first year again at the age of 27 I was a different person I had a lot more confidence 
I had a lot, of, lot more confidence in myself. I knew that I had my maths basics sorted out. Yes, I still failed a few small tests right in the beginning, and I, I nearly thought, okay, yeah, geez, oh no, here we go again. And it wasn't the case. I had grown network capability and engagement capability of speaking to people that know more than me, than I do. And I think even today, I'm not scared of raising hand and say, I don't know what you're talking about. Would you, would you help me? I don't understand what you're saying or I don't understand what you mean by this and that. And I always had my hand up in class in in at Beckett University and in my two years with the diploma course as well. And I was never scared of of asking people for help, even going to a lecturer's office and asking them to help me with issues that I was struggling with or concepts that I didn't understand. And it also helped the fact that I was already a practical student and of mining. I've been in this game now for a couple of years and I actually understood a lot of the stuff that I was now being taught in theory. So that helped as well. And so I finished my four years as uh, while going back and forth, you know, between semester breaks or summer breaks to go and work on the mine. But I ended up eventually, you know, being a shift boss for close to nine years and back and forth between university and also working full-time for that first three years as a shift boss. I think what I've learned in that process was believing in yourself and having that foundation of a family and a support base that also believes in you. And the fact that uh, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to get up after mistakes and say, let me try again and let's work harder than most other people. And I think that those few simple things and then the value of mentorship and career coaches that, that played a significant role in making that shift for me was a massive step ahead for me. The final thing was just that that finding my own voice and finding my own identity in mining was something that that changed me. Because mining can be very technical and it can be very outcome driven, but if you know if you find something that excites you, whether it's the technical part of it, whether it's the people part of it, and there's such a diversity in mining in terms of meeting different personality profiles that I found mine with people and I really enjoyed the people side of things. That's it for today in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening and for investing your time listening to my story. I hope that being vulnerable and sharing a lot of detail with you of my own life that some of my colleagues and friends that know me in industry for many years have never heard about but being able to share that with you today was was quite a big step for me even just doing this podcast is is a new lesson and a learning for me as well but i really value your time and i hope you enjoy the rest of your training for the day or your relaxation or whatever you invest your time in after listening to this podcast have an awesome day Have an awesome week. Keep on digging. Keep on enjoying mining.